Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, February 23rd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Chiefs today with beat writers Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell. Last week, we devoted a show to off-season moves the Chiefs might make with the offense. Today, we're talking defense and special teams. There's plenty of uncertainty on the defensive side with decisions to be made with players like Bashar Breeland, Daniel Sorensen, Damian Wilson, Tano Passanio, and Alex Okafor, among others. Herbie and Sam dig deep into the roster and come up with best fits for the Chiefs with some information available that we didn't have when we talked about the offense last week. That is the salary cap number. So let's get started talking Chiefs defense and special teams with Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell. Okay, we're back with Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell. I say back because we talked last week on this very topic, and that's off-season decisions that the Chiefs have to make with their roster. And we we spent last week about a half hour talking about the offense. Today, we will talk about the defensive side of the ball plus some special teams. But before we do... Uh, some news uh, has developed between uh, between conversations and involves the salary cap. Herbie, can you take us through the uh, the, the new figure that we have? Because uh, something we've been waiting for for a while, and we finally have a little bit of clarity on what the salary cap's going to be. Yeah, last year during uh, COVID, well, we're still in COVID, the NFL and the NFLPA agreed to a $175 million salary cap for 2021 with the view that we can play football. Uh, so. That number there was kind of fluid. And what the NFL did, what's today, Friday? What the NFL did Thursday was they informed teams the minimum floor as of right now is going to be $180 million. And there's still some flexibility for that thing to go up. How that affects the Chiefs is before that, that floor was set, they were projected to be anywhere between 20 to $23 million over the cap. So they, had to, they were going to have to make some moves. Some good news developed Thursday night, late Thursday night, when the NFLPA uh, put out that the Chiefs would have an additional 5.1 million rollover from 2020 to 2021. Now, I remember my, our esteemed colleague here, Sam McDowell, he asked Brett Veach during Super Bowl week how this 175 salary cap was going to affect the team. And Veach basically said, you know, from talking to Brant Tillis and Chris Shea as salary cap gurus, that he was told that they were looking at Various models for the salary cap to be anywhere between 175 to 190 million. And Shea and Tillis told Brett Veach that if they were in the 185 million range, they should be okay. So, but they still have to make some moves because you think about some of the players who count a lot of money against the cap right now. And, and, and Sam wrote a, a phenomenal piece previewing the offensive line. I got the defensive line next, but he pointed out in there how much. Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz combined were going to count against the cap. And, and Sam, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was 21 million per, or was that about for uh, for each? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that yeah, it's combined. Fisher's about 15. So they still have to make some moves. You're going to have to make some moves, kind of like what they did in 2020 when they got creative with restructuring contracts for notable contracts like uh, Duvernay Tardif and even Frank Clark. You know, turning some of that roster bonus into a signing bonus or even extending other players out. And that's what they're going to have to do here. Yeah. The, the, um, Sam McDowell did write it. That was a really good, uh, uh, 
snapshot of where the Chiefs' offensive line issues are. We, t- we spent a lot of time on that in our, in our last conversation. And, of course, what complicates that is the health of Fisher and, and Mitchell Schwartz. So, um, But, Herbie, you, you mentioned uh, restructuring contracts and deals, and one of the players who, whose name always pops up in that, uh, on, on, on that uh, topic is Tyron Matthew. The safety uh, will uh, play in the 2021 will be the final year of his deal. And the Chiefs, I, I think, absolutely want to bring him back on, a, you know, on, on, a, on an extended deal that that will, uh, you know, spread the money out a little bit uh, over, over the length of the deal, depending on how long it is. But uh, I, I would think that this would be a priority for them and probably not a difficult sell uh, for Tyron Matthew. Oh, and I, I tend to agree. You know, he, he's embraced Kansas City. The Kansas City has embraced him. He, he is the, one of the clear leaders, if not the clear leader, in that locker room outside of Patrick Mahomes. And he, he absolutely makes sense. He's scheduled to count $19.7 million against the cap right now. So getting him extended and spreading out that money, like you said, Blair, makes, makes one of the most sense on the defensive side when it comes to finding cap relief. And he, he's got to be up there at the top of the list. He brings so much, right? But, but just beyond his his level of play, I, you know, he was when when the Chiefs brought him and Frank Clark in after the uh, the, the twenty eighteen season, we were all not skeptical. But you know, what are we what are, what are we getting here? We, they bid farewell to players like Eric Berry and Justin Houston and Alan Bailey and D Ford, et cetera, et cetera. And they're bringing in Tyron Matthew and they're bringing in Frank Clark, uh, big money for Frank Clark. Um, Tyron Matthew has absolutely lived up to his um, billing. And I think he's gone from a, a Pro Bowl level player to an all pro level player who is on the outside of a little, just on the outside of maybe, you know, Hall of Fame type of conversation. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think this, this is a move that's worked out great for the Chiefs. We can, we can, quibble with some of the draft picks that Brett Beach has made in the Brett Beach regime over the last uh, three years. But uh, the, the signing of Tyron Matthew, I think, has been one of the keys to the Chiefs' success over the last two years. You, you, think that's, you think that's right, Sam? Yeah, I mean, he's their best defensive player. I mean, he's their most valuable defensive player. And he's, he's also a guy that, you know, as he ages and maybe some of the skill set diminishes, you know, whether it's speed or agility – he's still going to bring you value in other ways. I mean, first of all, he can play multiple positions. We saw him have to play slot corner whenever LeJarrius Sneed got hurt, and then he moved back to safety, his normal position. Um, you know, he didn't have the, his best Super Bowl, and I keep coming back to this. Um, the, a, a, lot of, a lot of guys, and, and including the entire group that I wrote about today, the offensive line, are going to be judged based on how this season ended. And the Chiefs, when they make these types of moves we're discussing on Wednesday and then again today, they're going to be looking at the entire 19-game picture. And over the entire 19-game picture, Tyron Matthew was Tyron Matthew for most of the season. So, yeah, I mean, he's a guy they want back. And like I said, he's the guy I think they can least afford to lose from this defense, especially, you know, when when we talk about the the complications of Steve Spagnuolo's defense. I don't think it's it's by coincidence that – the guys surrounding Tyron Matthew are playing really well. You know, cornerback was a position that we all talked about, you know, that they needed to add another guy there before this offseason started. LeJarrius Sneed plays well. Breland plays well. Charverius Ward plays well. 
And then, you know, a healthy Juan Thornhill as a rookie played well um, last year. So I, I think he's a, he's a guy who makes his teammates better. And then the defense would be uh, immensely different without Tyron Matthew. You mentioned, Blair, earlier, you know, he's made the transition to all pro as opposed to pro bowl. Think about this. All pro selection in two straight years in Kansas City. So, yeah, he's a three-time pro bowler on his career. Excuse me, all pro selection on his career. Two of the three happened here in KC the last two years. He's the kind of guy I think is possibly on a Hall of Fame track, too. I just, you know, if, if the Chiefs continue the team success over the next, uh, whatever the length of his contract would be, so that that's a that's an interesting question too. Do you extend him for a couple of given his age, his, his experience? Is he extended for a couple of years? Do you go as far as many as three, even four years with Tyron Matthew? What's the what's the smart play with Tyron Matthew? Four. You got to go long. He's only twenty eight years old. I mean, he'll turn twenty nine in May, but he's still relatively young. So I, I think you got to go. You you have to shoot for at least at a minimum four year contract extension with this guy. I wonder, though, that what Tyron Matthews is going to be thinking because, you know, it's his last chance to, to, to get a big contract because of his age. So I do think he's going to want the extended deal. Um, but also, he's seen his defensive teammates get paid since he's been here with Frank Clark and Chris Jones. And he's severely outplayed Frank Clark, obviously. And Frank Clark's making, what, $20 million next year. I just – I don't know that Tyron Matthews is going to be in the mood to give the Chiefs a discount that we're talking about. That's a good point. Uh, I, and you're right. Look, he was voted the team MVP last year. So, um, you know, his, his, his value, his worth to this team is, um, you know, it needs to be reflected in, in a contract for him. Um, the, the, the team MVP is the, the best non Mahomes player from here on out. <laughs> well, th- and this year it was Kelsey. So you're right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe one year Mahomes can get into the running for team MVP. <laughs> Hey, let's let's stay in the um, in in the secondary, and uh, there looks like Bashard Breeland's a name that that comes up constantly for a, a, a decision that the Chiefs are going to have to make. Um, what about Bashard Breeland? Is he is he a candidate to to be brought back, or is is this is he going to become a salary cap casualty? Well, I think when you look at the the cornerbacks, the two guys who are going to be free agents for the Chiefs are Antonio Hamilton and Breeland. But Breeland is obviously the bigger name. But what, what gets me here is it's two straight years where he's had to do a one-year deal. I don't know if he's going to find the market. He didn't find the market last year. And so that's a little concerning that he couldn't, you know, translate the success he had on the field into a lucrative deal. Uh, does bringing him back make sense? Absolutely. But can the Chiefs afford to let him walk? I, I think they probably can, given the the – the emergence of Legereus Sneed. Yeah, you know, you can put Sneed out there at Breland's spot on the right side, and I think he would shine there. You know, they, they still have Rashad Fenton who can play inside uh, against a slot wide receiver. He can play nickel. Uh, so it, it really depends on what the, how the Chiefs view Breland. If there's a market out there for Breland, if Breland believes there's a market out there for him, that will determine whether he's back here in Kansas City. Yeah, I think if Breland comes back, it's not going to be in that first few days of free agency because he's going to be testing to see if he can get a multi-year deal. That's what he did last year, too. Um, I, I think that all the negotiating power is going to be in the Chiefs' hands with Brashard Breland because he needs them more than they need him. And I, the fact that he got suspended again last season, I think, is going to diminish the market that's out there for him. So I, I could see him back, but that would be because the market doesn't develop for him. 
and and the Chiefs bring him back on a on a contract team contract friendly deal. So I think it'd be similar to to what what was he on a one year four and a half million? Yep. I yep. could see something similar to that. Okay, how about at linebacker where they're going to have to make decisions on Damian Wilson and Ben Neiman? Um, here, Damian Wilson turns in the biggest play of the Super Bowl for the Chiefs, but. Listen, I, there, there was a reason they drafted Willie Gay in the second round last year, and um, and I think the team liked the way Gay was starting to develop until he had the season-ending injury. Um, I, I would be surprised to see uh, Damian Wilson not with the Chiefs next year. What do you guys think? I, I tend to agree with that. You know, they did slap the option on him last year to bring him back on a one-year deal, and but the, you know that again. When you use the, the high draft pick on Willie Gay, that kind of like sends a message. You know, he's our guy of the future. And you've got Anthony Hitchens also still locked up on their contract. So of the linebackers there that makes sense to hit the open market, it would be Damian Wilson. Ben Neiman himself, he's a restricted free agent. So the Chiefs can, you know, make that low qualifying tender on him. And it's going to depend if he has a market out there because if the team signs him to a qualifying offer and the Chiefs decide not to match it, then they're owed some compensation. But I can see Neiman back here in Kansas City signing the tender that the Chiefs will, you know, offer him as a restricted free agent. Yeah, I mean, with with Willie Gay, it's an interesting case because if they were for sure going to have the full off season, which the NFL and NFLPA still haven't announced what they're going to do this off season then I think you'd be a lot more comfortable going into next year with Willie Gay because when you watch him on the tape, he's got all the talent in the world. So when you, when you see his snap count, the only thing you can assume for why he's not playing is just a complete grasp of Steve Spagnuolo's off, or defense. That has to be the reason for it. If he had a full off season, I think you'd be a lot more confident that he would get there this year. And without it, I just wonder if they feel like they want another veteran guy just in case, but maybe they they feel like Ben Neiman can be that veteran guy. He's been in the system for a couple of years. He can back up all three spots. So um, to Herbie's point, that is probably why Ben Neiman is more likely to be back next year than, than Damian Wilson. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, we've talked about uh, secondary and linebackers, so I wanted to bring up a guy who is kind of a little bit of both, just the way he plays, and that's Daniel Sorensen, who is a safety, but uh, um, tackles like a linebacker. He ended up leading the team in, in tackles this year. He was second in defensive snaps, just behind Tyron Matthew. Uh, Chiefs also have to come to a decision on him. Um, he strikes me as a guy who uh, has – probably would have more value to the Chiefs than anybody else, uh, any other team. Just uh, I can't see him having this many snaps at the position he plays on, a, on, another, on another team. So um, he almost seems like he's a Chief for life 
Um, but that de- depends on whether the Chiefs are looking to save save some bucks. And how about Daniel Sorensen's value to the Chiefs? Contract year. <laughs> he had that season on the contract year. But you know what? You're absolutely right, Blair. I, I think he makes sense to come back. Uh, I don't think uh, they're going to have to open the checkbook for him because it, you hit the nail on the head. What he does for the Chiefs, does another team – use a safety like him, like the Chiefs do. And I, and I think off the top of my head, I can't think of that many NFL teams out there that, that use that kind of hybrid type safety with the exception of the Tennessee Titans with Kenny Vaccaro. You know, Vaccaro was the kind of guy that does a lot of things that Daniel Sorensen does. So it's going to depend on, does he think there's a market? And if the Chiefs think they can get him back on a, a deal that's not going to break the bank. And that's the key thing here with him because Sorensen is not young either. You know, he... right. In 2013, out of BYU, so he, he's not young anymore. So I, I don't think you can open the checkbook for him. He and um, uh, is it he and Kelsey and and Anthony Sherman are like the original, you know, Andy Reid Chiefs that are that are, that are still around. So he he might also decide to give a BYU uh, discount because of Andy. You know, you just <laughs> never know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, Herbie, you are you are. Um, uh, in the process of writing about the the, the front, uh, the defensive front, and you know we've got Alex Okafor there, Tano Pasino, Taco Charlton, some players that um, you know they're, they're going to have to make some decisions on. I, w- one of the things about this this time of year is it allows you to evaluate uh, what these guys were this past season, and you know, the help obviously helps the Chiefs decide on what they want to do. Let's start with Tano Passanio. Um, I don't think he has taken the the steps that the Chiefs envisioned for him. He just hasn't made the progress, and uh, and, and this may be a place for the where the Chiefs can save some money. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. And I, and I love that guy. You know, K Pass is a good guy, but you know his numbers dipped from ni- 2019 to 2020. In 2019, I was like, okay, this guy is setting himself up for a nice contract season, but you know. It, he finished with four sacks in 2019, and he wasn't even among the, the team leaders this year. The thing that strikes me the most is how they use him. You know, there, there are some instances when you watch him, they will drop him back in coverage. And, you know, it's, it's, he'll line up on the line, and all of a sudden he's dropping back. It, he's good on special teams because, you know, we know he can block a, a kick. Uh, he got his finger on one. Against <laughs> uh, the Falcons. Against, yeah. So it's, but I don't know if you can open the, you know, Bust the bank for Tano either. It's the numbers this year just don't justify paying him at a premium uh, as as an elite pass rusher. If you can get him back on a one year deal and it makes sense, absolutely, I would say do it because you know it's it's he knows what's expected of him in the scheme. And then Spagnolo over the past couple of seasons has always talked about his versatility to play so many different spots on the defensive line. But you, I don't think you can break the bank with him either. You know, Blair, when you look at the Chiefs as a whole, I, I guess I should remove offensive line from this statement because um, we're not exactly sure what's going to happen with the tackles there. So outside of, uh, out of, that, out of that spot, I think defensive ends a spot where they have to improve more than any other this year. And that, that is probably going to mean moving on from both Tano, Passanio, and Alex Okafor. That, that's a spot where, unfortunately – Frank Clark, for whatever reason, hasn't performed to a $20 million contract. You know, I still think Frank Clark has more value than people give him credit for because they judge him based on his salary, and he hasn't lived up to $20 million, which means they've got to get somebody else on the other side of that 
defensive line that can help out Chris Jones in the pass rush. Because right now, when you look at that, Chris Jones is getting double-teamed and double-teamed and double-teamed. The end's got to win one-on-one. And Frank Clark doesn't do it often enough. They've got to have somebody else on the other side that can do it. Yeah. Okafor's biggest thing is it's health. He, he just can't stay healthy enough where the Chiefs can obviously depend on him to be that consistent pass rush edge. And then Okafor started out the season as the starter, but then he got hurt and then Tano Passanio became the starter and never gave it up. So Okafor became a rotational guy. The guy that intrigues me out of the defensive line group there is Taco Charlton. You know, he, he had moments early in the year before he got hurt uh, you know, they, the Chiefs signed him to a one-year prove-it deal. I think you bring him back on another one-year prove-it deal. Taco Charles got first-round talent, uh, but he hasn't lived up to it. But I think if, if you – of the three defensive ends there, the one that makes the most sense to me and probably won't cost a lot of money to bring back is Charlton. Yeah, the former first-round pick. And um, uh, I, I'm with you on Okafor as well. He's sort of the Sammy Watkins of defense when it comes to injuries and – yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's 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 too bad because I, I think he's got some uh, I think he's a talented player um, who I'd love to have seen play 16 games uh, during the regular season or uh, more than he more than he ended up playing. So um, I, I think oh, how about how about Mike Pinnell? There's another one, uh, maybe the last guy that we need to talk about the the, the interior on the interior. Right. I think the Chiefs are pretty happy with what they have uh, with with Jones and, and Derek Naughty and and Pinnell in, in the middle there, um, is, this, is this a guy that can bring back pretty cheap? Well, I think, I, I think, I think that uh, Turk Wharton developing this year as an undrafted yeah. free agent makes him probably expendable, even though they're different sorts of defensive tackles. Obviously, Pinnell's more of a run stopper. Wharton's a guy that you hope can, can develop into a, a pass rusher from a, a position that doesn't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback typically. But – um, you know, Her- it's funny, Herbie mentioned that he really likes K-Pass in the locker room. We're talking about like a, a group that we all think is a pretty good group in the locker room for us. Um, you know, Mike Pinnell's the guy who's always available, <clears throat> at least at least for Herbie and me. And then uh, Alex Okafor, obviously, I mean, that, that's one of Herbie's favorite guys in the locker room. Just, just a terrific person. Um, so, I guess we're probably a little too inside baseball here, but we all root for the signings of the guys who are good quotes and available. (laughs) And this is a group that would qualify, right? Yeah. I I was going to say selfishly, Sam and I would love Mike Pinnell back, (laughs) but we got to have the locker room, you know, it's, uh, we would love to have all of them back, you know, but it's unfortunately it's the nature of the business and the chiefs are going to have to make a decision. Any any movement among special teamers? Um, I, I think uh, Butker certainly is. Uh, the, he had the he had the issues with the extra points this year. Didn't cost the Chiefs a game and provided the only points for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and was you know terrific actually with the uh, with the distance on his kicks. So um, I, I don't I don't think there's any there's there's no threat of uh, of, of losing Harrison Butker. You know, Tommy uh, Townsend. I, I you know. What would have like so many Chiefs picked a bad time to have one of his worst games, right in the Super Bowl? Yeah. Um, did did did, did would, would the Chiefs be satisfied with him enough to to bring him back? I, I think so, but you know what? This team is also all about competition, so it would not surprise me at some point during this offseason the Chiefs sign another punter like they've been doing over the last couple of seasons, and then let them battle it out. But you know they told swears by Townsend's powerful leg. Uh, 
it's just unfortunately, I thought he had a pretty good season, actually. But it's just unfortunately what we're going to remember, as Sam has pointed out in his offensive line piece and also has pointed out a couple of times here today, the things we're going to remember are the Super Bowl. We're not going to remember that, you know, he was booming kicks and pinning play, uh, the teams inside their own 20. We're going to remember that 29 and 27 yard punt. But that's unfortunate. Yeah, and his deal was more than, I think, just a bad day at the office. Like, he, he looked like he was affected by nerves, which I think is a little bit more alarming than it would be if you just didn't have a great day like the offensive line. I mean, I, he, dropped, he dropped the one ball in his lap as well. I mean, he made three pretty big gaps over just the course of a couple of quarters there in the Super Bowl. And, look, we don't, I don't think we'll ever know the, the – um, the deal that uh, um, Harrison, I mentioned it. Harrison Butker's extra point problems. You know how much of that was the holder, and that's that. Of course, that's that's Tommy Townsend as well. So, uh, but that'll be that'll be a development just to keep an eye on is what the Chiefs do uh, with the punter. Okay, let's let's wind this down, and let me ask both of you guys if uh, just the conversation and giving some thought about off season moves and, and free agency, has it changed the way you think about the chief's priority in the draft and what, uh, you know, w- w- with the, with the 31, uh, what they might do, where they might go, what they should prioritize in the draft. Um, Sam McDowell, how about, uh, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, this, this probably isn't going to be a popular take, but, I think that based on what they need right now, first of all, I, I always think in the first round you draft best available as long as it's not a position that you're already just completely stacked at. And I think that they need, um, you know, defensive end anywhere across the offensive line. And then I think they need a second wide receiver as well. So I think best available of any of those three positions. But um, the, the, the part that I don't think is going to be particularly popular is I think the way this roster is constructed right now, they need to collect assets as opposed to developing, drafting one stud. And that fifth-year option in the first round is pretty valuable to other teams, especially if somebody wants to get a quarterback late, perhaps. So I think they should trade out of the first round if that opportunity is there. And if they can get a second and a third out of that, you know, this is an organization that's drafted really well in the later rounds, as well as they have in the first round, uh, you know, at least since Patrick Mahomes. And so I, I think that the, my preference for, for the team, if, if I'm running things, would, would be to, to try and get another asset out of that pick. I tend to agree with that. You know, if you're able to use free agency to address your glaring needs, such as defensive end or, or offensive line, for example, it makes more sense to trade out of there okay, and, and accumulate more draft picks because this draft is deep with wide receivers, offensive linemen, and, and pass rushers. So if you don't, address that during free agency, it makes more sense to do it in the draft. And this is a good draft to do it. Uh, I think, you know, and we've mentioned this on Wednesday, there are certain positions where they need to get young. And so why not use this draft to do it? And there's a couple of things that play there, which is um, we don't know how free agency is going to go. And, you know, if, if they solve, you know, four of their top five needs in free agency, they probably don't have to do something like that. But the other thing is just how it all develops on draft night. You know, they, they may have one guy who they really, really like, and all of a sudden that guy's sitting there at 31. So why trade out? You've got the guy you want. But I just think that this, like, like Herbie said, especially the positions that are deep are the Chiefs' positions of need. Like, they're in a pretty good spot going into this draft because of that. I think there's going to be multiple guys. You can get a couple second-round picks. You know, the way we saw them get, 
you know, McCall Hardman and Juan Thornhill a, a couple of years ago. I think they're going to have an opportunity to do something like that this year. Yeah, look, I, I think they need to get starters in this draft. I think they need to get some, you know, for lack of a better term, cheap labor. Cheap, out of, yeah. Out of this draft because in a, when's Mahomes' contract going to start blowing up, right? Uh, you know, when is the team-friendly contract with Mahomes going to stop being team-friendly and taking up a, a much higher percentage of the, of the salary cap? And so you need to find starters on rookie contracts and probably more than what the Chiefs have done over the last several drafts. Yeah, and the answer is this year. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is going to be counting $25 million against the cap. That's their second-highest charge behind uh, Frank Clark, I believe. Yep. And it, it's only going to grow from there, which is – I mean, that plays right into to my thinking on the fact that if you can collect – two or three guys they don't have to be star starters but if they if you can rely on those guys to start for your team you've got to have those guys play somewhere throughout your roster okay great conversation as always with herbie teope and sam mcdowell guys we will uh, we'll talk again soon that'll do it for today thanks to our sports beat kc production staff of Derek donovan beth welsh monty davis jeff rosen chris fickett and savannah smith a tip of the cap to Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell for stopping by and talking Chiefs. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got a deal for you. For limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass. That's the Kansas City Star Sports section on the web for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And what a time to subscribe. The Royals are at spring training. March Madness is right around the corner, and it's never not Chiefs season. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That is kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news sports and business coverage with the e-edition and by additional i mean dozens more pages with the e-edition the details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe and if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers send me an email bkirkoff at kcstar.com and i will get you to the right place so whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in kansas city and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.